Welcome, true believers, to a Halloween-themed episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the spooky podcast that breaks down ghastly dialogue such as that screwy ghost thing expanded in midair. Here to provide analysis for that line and so much more is my eerie friend, Eddie. Trick or treat, Eddie. I... Oh, it's you, James. I really thought Zandu was here um, starting our podcast off. Uh, uh, that guy. <laughs> one, of our, one of our worst villains, one of our worst <laughs> annuals I've ever read. Glad he's not here. Woo. Well, you know, I am glad that you are here, too. And, um, and, and Eddie, I don't remember, was it on the podcast that you told the listeners that you just leave your house uh, and don't give out candy on Halloween. You're just like a That's take right. Up. Sorry, kids. Yeah. Don't bother coming by here. I'm, I'm going to get the full-size candy bars down the block with my children. So Yeah, I don't know if people are... I was a full-size candy buyer for like six years, and then eventually it just... It's Ooh. it's crazy now how much candy costs. Like the <laughs> full-size is, bars are yeah, like out of control. Yeah, agreed. No, thank you. Eddie... It's Halloween, and that means goblins and witches. Since we have a goblin already in these issues, we only need a witch. So we're inviting a 21st century witch. That's like a female scientist. Eddie, how do you feel about Dana returning? Uh, Well, I can only imagine she has bubbling cauldrons and test tubes around her right now. And, uh, you know, a figurine of Stegron, maybe the jackal, to inspire her. Uh, Dana, is that the case? How are you doing? Hey, everyone. I'm in the Halloween spirit, sipping on a nice carrot milkshake beverage. (laughs) Sure, it's not as good as pumpkin spice latte, but maybe back to the cookbooks and we'll figure it out. Actually, I'm more of a black cat. Are you feeling superstitious? Speaking of bad luck, I have a joke for both of you. Wait, the black cat wasn't the joke? (laughs) No. (laughs) I can't wait, Dana. Tell us it. <laughs> Which month gives poor old Peter Parker the worst luck of all? Uh, January? I give up. Doc October. <laughs> From March of 1978. <laughs> the Amazing Spider Man 178. Green Grow the Goblin. By Witchy Lenween, Ross Monster Andrew, and inked by Creepy Jim Mooney. <laughs> a little less carrot milk. Um, anyways, Spidey is anxiously peeking through a heating vent and listening to the Green Goblin at a crime boss meeting arranged by Silvermane. It appears old Gobby will reveal Spidey's secret identity to the assembly of wrongdoers, but he doesn't. Instead, Green Goblin flies off. Declaring he will bring Spidey back in 24 hours, as Silvermane thinks of how he will eliminate the maniacal green thorn in his side, Spidey crashes through the vent, forcing him to flee. Okay, wait. The one person who knows Spider-Man's identity, who last issue at the end threatened to reveal it, that was a big cliffhanger, and on page one here is about to reveal it, suddenly has no desire to share it. Dana, I don't know if I like this. Do you? You're right. The goblin had this huge embellished setup for us and then gave us nothing. It's more in character for the ghoulish green goblin to act impulsively, right? Rather than wait 24 hours sitting with this useful information. Why not act then and there? It would be so much more interesting if he just just did it. What would happen? I want to know, but we don't get it. Um, 
Ross Andrew has a lot of close-up detailed drawings of a lot of different crime bosses here. Uh, what do you think of Ross Andrew as an artist? Uh, well, at first I thought these fellows resembled the enforcers and I got really excited about that. But then I got a different inkling. To me, the man in the first panel that we're seeing, I think he resembles a young Al Pacino playing Michael Corleone. Did he look like that character to either of you? Uh, Michael Corleone? Let's see. We're talking about the first panel here with Silvermane like aggressively looking over his left shoulder, right? Yep, that's it. I said, I thought this entire dinner is giving me like the Godfather vibes. And I'm like actively searching the dinner, the dining room table for oranges just, you know, to make the case. And then Silvermane doing some reading, like the character even hails from Corleone, Sicily. So there you go. And both the Godfather novel that the movie was based on in the issue of Amazing Spider-Man were de- which debuted Silvermane, were published in the year 1969. So go figure. Uh-oh. So you, I, I, it appears you're alluding there's been some borrowing here, right, Dana? I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. All right. I had completely, Eddie, I'm sorry. I had completely forgotten that Dana does this whole research <laughs> thing. I really brought her on because of the whole witch science that I forgot, like, She's going to keep giving Get us Get on your this, toes, James B. I get, get a full-size candy bar to wake hey, yourself you know up what? immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, uh, I can't eat uh, full-size candy bars. It give me a tummy ache <laughs> and have to go to the hospital. Well, you could join MJ and poor Aunt May there um, because she needs the surgery that only Peter apparently can help her with. So MJ hurries off the, out of the hospital. And she goes to the bugle where J. Jonah shows he has a soft side by trying to comfort the distraught MJ. With a little encouragement from J. Jonah, she tries calling Peter one more time. And finally catches the distractibly stubborn Peter on the phone. After learning of Aunt May's predicament, he frantically starts swinging towards the hospital. I find it interesting that Peter thinks Aunt May's illness is his fault here. Um, she was the one protesting... <laughs> <laughs> She's been doing this for quite a while. This is not Peter's fault. I was more interested in the crisis going on at the Bugle. James B., you work in technology. J. Jonah Jameson is complaining about the lack of italics in the headlines, but his employee claims that they couldn't fit the headline if it was italic. Do italics really make the font significantly larger than normal print? Well, 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 guess who played the role of Dana and did some research on the italics questions? That's right, this guy. Italics makes the font smaller and easier to fit. So it is exactly the opposite of what they're trying to sell Mm. us in the story. Also, italics is harder to read than regular print. That's why we don't have everything in italics. The format we usually see is appropriate. There is some evidence that there are some people who have like learning disabilities like dyslexia that may benefit from italics, but that's just a small uh, group of people. Um, Dana, I want to apologize that Eddie skipped right over the part of the summary involving (laughs) drinking that weird, uh, what kind of drink was it again that Gloria Grant made him? My beverage of choice, carrot milkshake. (laughs) Yes, a carrot milkshake. That That was covered in there, but didn't make the... Didn't make Eddie's summary. So I have a question for you to make up for that. Yeah. Peter Parker, he often complicates his own life. Was there an easier way out of the situation with the whole, like, you need to get down to the hospital to sign some consent forms right away? 
Yes, the easy way out of this whole predicament for young Mr. Parker would be to take his textbooks to the hospital and study in the waiting room. If he's so concerned with Aunt May, why go home and study barefoot on the floor and be difficult to get a hold of, like no one can reach him on the phone? And the only reason he was sideswept was because he was in his Spider-Man suit. Well, anyway, I guess it doesn't really matter who he's dressed as since the goblin knows his identity. True. And speaking of the goblin, a bomb falls precipitously close to Spider-Man as he is trying to swing to the hospital. Uh, Gobby's here and he's coming from his headquarters where Dr. Hamilton is bound and gagged. Um, he has some new weapons and won't stop attacking even as Spidey tries to run away once again to the hospital. Just as it looks like Gobby has lost again, the well-versed arachnologist captures Spidey in an impenetrable ghost-themed net. In the final panel, we look out of the unconscious Aunt May's hospital window to see Gobby dragging Spidey away on his glider. There's some great writing here regarding the goblin. His maniac craziness is pretty clear all through this book. Uh, it's like driving him for forward so much that like Silvermane fears him. Uh, he tries to go fisticuffs with Spidey. and he, it, It's a terrible fight. He just loses when Spidey finally clocks him for real. I'm wondering why Dr. Hamilton has to have like this bag over his head with eye holes. Is it because his face is all beaten up or is there more to it? Uh, hopefully we find out soon. Dana, did you have any unresolved issues with this book? Yeah, I'm wondering why the Green Goblin wants to be the crime boss. Eddie, you asked this on a recent podcast, right? Do you finally know what his ultimate end goal is? Well, I thought about this a lot, Dana, and it's some kind of like because his father was so successful, he has to find a different venue to be successful in. That is my only idea of what could be happening here, but perhaps we'll know if we continue on here to the next book from april of 1978 the amazing spider-man 179 the goblins always greener written by weird lenween art by apparition andrew and embellished by mike mad mike esposito uh, on the splash page of this before i even begin this is the second time we've seen the goblin dragging spider-man or peter parker by his glider. I I really, this is one of my favorite graphics. Well, Gobby's got him, and he's flying him back to his lair when he's attacked by bazookas. When was the last time there was a bazooka in New York? Uh, anyways, Silvermane's henchmen successfully knock Spidey out of the goblin's hands, and he is sent careening into a There, Silvermane's goons delightfully find an unconscious Spidey, but they are so happy they forgot who they're dealing with. As Spidey awakes, he helps them ridiculously drive their car into a And once again, Spidey swings towards the hospital to help Aunt May. Once there, Peter signs the paper paperwork to start her vital surgery. Dana, what do you think about the yellow cab action scene? This was the most comic book scene in all of the comic books that we're reading. <laughs> and Spider-Man just fighting and quipping his way through a cab was like the greatest thing. Listeners, if you're reading along, He's in, he's handcuffed in the back of the cab and he's like, all I want is here, pretty boy, to keep sleeping. Then he wakes up, springs out of the handcuffs. Well, sorry, boys, but nap time is over. Pushes the doors of the cab open. Where do you guys get off? And then takes the steering wheel, says, oh, here, you do the driving. So like, it reads to me like a 
story like an action story in a movie like a storyboard and that's what comic books are for not all this dialogue back and forth but actual action yeah dialogue uh dialogue can get in the way sometimes in fact the writing gets a bit confusing in this section i don't want to go into too much nitpicking because this isn't what i'm focusing on but peter feels responsible for aunt may going under the knife and i don't know it's just weird because like they're operating, even though he didn't sign the forms. I think, I feel like worrying about Aunt May should have been enough, but Len Wein wants to make Peter feel like extra guilty for something that he really didn't even do. It's just, just something strange to me. Poor guy. In the meantime, Gobby sputters back to his lair where he pulls out a new glider, whacks around the bound Dr. Hamilton, and quickly soars off. Joe Robbie and Peter are having a heart-to-heart at the hospital when we change scenes to Radio City Musical, the latest Disney movie, I was like, that's being shown? Uh, anyways, is showing with Silvermane in attendance. As the sound of cackling laughter approaches, Silvermane realizes the Green Goblin has arrived to finish him off. It, I was going to be with you saying, like, what, why watching a Disney movie in Radio City Music Hall? But now I'm thinking, why is Silvermane watching a Disney movie? <laughs> like, <laughs> True. that's a bigger problem. It's, it's, it's to soften his image, James B. Sure, right? sure. <laughs> It's what all the crime bosses do. I, I find this is like uh, some kind of futuristic, uh, you know, Disney's sending us a signal that one day they will have Marvel and they'll be showing Marvel movies under the Disney banner. And, uh, you know, we're the, we're the first people to catch this because no one else is reading this issue. But, Eddie, I think that you and I don't really know what Disney movies came out in 1978. But you know what? We have Dana on the podcast. So, Dana, what Disney movies came out in 1978? From March of 1978 is the Walt Disney Studios feature film, the classic Escape from Witch Mountain, not written by Len Wein, instead written by Robert Young and directed by John Hugh. <laughs> Dana. Oh, Dana, it's so great to have you, as always. Uh, I'm going to finish up my summary here. We rapidly oscillate between uh, Gobby attacking Silvermane, Peter heading to Radio City, and bound Dr. Hamilton inching closer to freedom. Uh, eventually, Spidey shows up to help Silvermane take on Gobby. The last panel of battle shows the trio perilously falling from the top of Radio City without much hope of survival. And in the end, we see Dr. Hamilton free himself. Only to reveal it's Harry Osborn. What a twist at the end! I did not see this coming. Dana... Who did you think the masked man tied to the chair was? Were you shocked who he was revealed I, I Exactly. Shocked. All of the above. I fell for the oldest trick in the spell book, Eddie. <laughs> I actually thought it was the other way around. I thought it was Dr. Hamilton for sure under there. And I don't know. Harry was the goblin. Yeah. Um, I actually predicted this. I had written that little note to myself earlier because I read them in order and I just put the notes in as I read them. I don't, I don't do all the scripting at the end. And, uh, but Eddie, I've been keeping track of my last 20 predictions watching uh, Tiny House Hunting on the Roku channel, and I've only gotten six correct. So trust me, I'm not really good at everything. But this one I had figured out. Uh, it does make you think, though, back when Harry jumped over the desk uh, in issues like 176 or so, 177, to attack Dr. Hamilton and like beat him up. Like That was Harry. So that was a setup to make you believe Harry was kind of taken over. But yeah, everything Red else since then does add up the Harry... Uh, you know, he had shared all his secrets, obviously, with Dr. Hamilton. That's why Dr. Hamilton knew so much. So, But we were going to stop here. 
Uh, and we talked about this and we decided that, you know, we don't get to see Dana that often and it's Halloween and we're all celebrating. So we're going to squeeze in a rare third Amazing Spider-Man book. Uh, Dana, do you want to uh, do the honors? Sure. From May of 1978, The Amazing Spider-Man 180, Who Was That Goblin I Saw You With? Written by Len Wein, art by Ross Andrew, and embellished by Mike Esposito. As Spider-Man tries to save all three characters plunging to their deaths, the Green Goblin has other plans. He stuns and grabs Spidey as Silvermane plunges to the ground. Spider-Man is taken to the smokestacks where the Goblin announces, This is where Spider-Man tossed in his clone. After a few pages of fighting, once the goblin is defeated, it is revealed that Dr. Hamilton hypnotized Harry and had Harry take the photos of Spider-Man and the clone. That's how he knows, and that finally resolves how those pictures came to be, Eddie. Thank you for the summary, James B. I, I, For a long time, I thought secret identities were secret until kind of nonchalantly peter was like to jay jonah well maybe harry when he was the green goblin took these pictures and then it, that seemed to loosen up like everything now it's like everybody knows who the green goblin was except for apparently flash not too long ago but i, I think it's clear now and it's just a loosening up i guess of all these different characters and their secret identities uh, why don't you go on and tell us what happens for the rest of this book james B. all right well Harry shows up in his Green Goblin garb now because he's wearing the Green Goblin costume and he's got his own jet glider and goblin glider. He's got all the equipment and everything and he engages with Dr. Hamilton. So we actually have like Green Goblin fighting Green Goblin and I think Dr. Hamilton loses his mask to the visual. So exciting. Spidey gets involved, but Hamilton's reoccurring guest star role ends when he accidentally blows himself up for good. In an epilogue that doesn't explain Harry's thoughts about Spider-Man or Peter Parker or the Green Goblin at all, the downtrodden Harry explains life is not worth living without Liz Allen, who conveniently happens to show up. Peter reflects how everyone is happy except him, with no disregard for what's going on with MJ, who thinks he's missing, or Joe Robbie, who thought he was kidnapped, or dead, and what they're thinking about Peter's absence. And hopefully the next issue starts with him visiting, um, what's that woman's name again? Oh yeah, Aunt May who's uh, in the hospital. <laughs> but hey, we get an epilogue. You know, that's special. I, it is nice to have an epilogue where Liz Allen shows back up. And it, could we say, when's the last time we had a happy ending like this? Spider-Man is standing tall above Peter Parker. I I, it's, I'm, I think you're making your little jokes and stuff, but if you're serious, this is terrible. <laughs> this is terrible. We just go from like, well, we are... You're a supervillain and I'm Spider-Man. Hey, what's going on, buddy? Oh, I miss Liz Allen. Like, well, whoa, whoa, I, I, whoa. There's so, they didn't re- resolve anything in this issue here. Like like the closest they came to resolve. No happy ending for Peter, so no happy ending for Aunt No May. conclusion for the reader with the exception of the death of Dr. Well, Hamilton, which just puts us with, when we started the book, right? Especially you two guys, yeah. right? You start off with like, Harry's the Green Goblin fighting Spider-Man, right? Yes. Aunt May's dying. What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And then you end the book with Harry's the Green Goblin and there's Spider-Man and that may still die. Like nothing's changed. You've gained nothing so far in this book. 
That is true. The storyline has not progressed, but the way in which we experienced it was so great. I mean, how could you contain your excitement when you saw two goblins fighting each other? Oh, no, that's great. I just didn't want there to be an epilogue that skipped over. I want the, uh, the book should have just been like next issue what happens like let's talk oh, let's talk you know i think they you know when the building fell on harry it seemed to indicate he's got amnesia no, again. He's i like, don't i don't want to believe that what happened to me i don't want an believe. accident no <laughs> well like i said in the beginning of this issue like peter should be in the hospital is he no so that's his fault <laughs> all right really listen cares. it's it's halloween uh, we're we're I don't want to get us debating this and, and ruin a great holiday like this. Let's get a sponsor and kind of wrap this baby up, okay? Oh, yeah, that won't ruin anything. I can't wait, James B. See, there you are again, being all disagreeable <laughs> on a, a special holiday like this. Eddie, it is Halloween, and today's sponsor is an item you need today, Eddie. So I'm being serious. You should start heading out the door right now. Now, on your way to get your circus peanuts for those neighborhood children, which you are going to leave out this time in a bowl... Be sure that you pick up, Eddie, the Green Goblin costume. Unlike other Halloween costumes where you pretend to be crazy, just putting this on is guaranteed to make you crazy. Would you rather dress up as, I don't know, a mover or as the potential crime boss of New York? Would you rather be a cowboy with a toy pistol or have a real grenade, a real grenade level pumpkin bomb? That's right. Anyone lucky enough to purchase this Green Goblin costume gets not only the costume, but you also get, Eddie, a goblin glider, fully functional, complete with a coupon for glider flying lessons and an arsenal of weapons that could put Tony Stark to shame. So, don't be a mover this Halloween. Be a Green Goblin. What's that you say? Your friend is the Green Goblin? (laughs) No worries. You can never have too many goblins. Green Goblin costumes are available right now, Eddie, at Circle K, Cumberland Farms, and your favorite place, Wawa. Yeah, I, I can't think of a better way to experience Halloween than fighting your friend who's also the Green Goblin with real-life deadly weapons. I, right? I agree. That makes two of us. Dana, what do you think? Voila. <laughs> anyway, yeah, the more Green Goblins, the better, James B. Um, with the glider, I'm sold on the glider. I would never have to take the public transportation ever again with that. Yeah. Do you understand, though, that, like... Uh, I am glad you're as coordinated as Harry Osborne to fly that thing, Dana. Send us a video sometime. <laughs> Definitely, I will. If I practice it, I'll have to trade my witch's broom for that glider. <laughs> and make sure we know which one is you, because I don't want to be like, who is that goblin I saw you with? And you're like, that one was actually me. Oh, they're all the same costume. I thought they were customizable. No, everybody, anybody who puts on a green goblin costume immediately gets all the effects of this green uh, goblin. There we have it. Dana does not approve of this sponsor. I'm dressing up as a mover just to spite you, James B. So, <laughs> Eddie, want to talk about these books uh, at all? I just, one thing, I know Dr. Hamilton hypnotized Harry, right? And that's how he got this knowledge. But he also seemed to gain like super strength he's hauling around spider-man and flying the glider and he has all the tricks i like to think about the green goblin as like a like a a mental flu that can be passed around i i think the story is going to develop in a really interesting way where like the green goblin is just you don't think it comes from the actual costume all over the place like the costume has embedded insanity (laughs) you know there we're going to be discussing that in our next issue we're going to talk about a little bit about how a costume could have powers or not have powers. Also, I want to mention that 
this podcast, uh, they talk about the Rockettes appearing at Radio City Music Hall. <laughs> yes, yes. We're also going to be discussing the Rockettes in the next issue. They make, they're, they're, it must be something going on with the Rockettes in 1978 because they keep showing up in these books. <laughs> uh, Dana, Eddie's big thoughts are about the Green Goblin and uh, Super Strength and stuff. What were you thinking when you read this trio of books? I was thinking about Peter and his life's choices and <laughs> I guess the crime boss. Like, I'm still going back on like why the Green Goblin wants to be the crime boss. Because, um, like, I know, like, we know the big reveal. But if the Green Goblin was Norman Osborn, I could see him wanting money and influence and power. And that's why you would, like, sway to Silvermane and his henchmen. But if the Green Goblin is Harry, um, I think you hinted a little bit about this. But maybe revenge and recognition is what he would be after. But I'm not sure why else, you know, the Green Goblin would want the crime boss position other than wanting control over the city. Wasn't... I thought there was a line in there that kind of talked about it, but that's with Dr. Hamilton as the mm-hmm. cr- going for the crime boss job. I thought it was mentioned, but I've read seven books in the last <laughs> 12 hours. So I, I really, I appreciate how much they reinforce it. Like they don't yeah. let it go. Like it's very clear that he wants to be the crime boss. There's not like some, I don't know. It's like, I'm going to be the crime boss. And like, it's part of his insanity. It's, is this these three books are I really liked these three books. They were really fun. I also want to mention Anna Watson in the New Hope Hospital. I think she looks like Lady Tremaine a little bit. So I keep seeing these characters in Amazing Spider-Man in like other costumes. So maybe it's for the Halloween theme of our episode, but so, I don't know. So Ross Andrews artwork has really got you thinking about other people. I think so, yeah. Do you think he's doing that on purpose? I I mean I really do see the resemblance to Michael Corleone, and it's a whole like oh, yeah. pinstripe, you sure, know, I, crime boss kind of theme. Why not? You could be right. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying, do you believe it's like a coincidence, or do you believe it's intentional? That's all. I think it's intentional. All right, Dana, you got a couple uh, people following you on Twitter these days. Uh, do you want some more followers? Sure. Why not? The more the merrier. You guys can follow me on a future movie at Twitter. Eddie, we've got a couple too, but I use I need about ten more. How can people find us? You can find us on Twitter at Let's Read Spidey, or you could email us at Let's Read Spider-Man at gmail.com. And it's time for the close. I'm James B, joined by Eddie and Dana. And remember, listeners, anyone can be the Green Goblin. Goodbye. 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 Happy Halloween. I am not dressing up for Halloween. However, I do have essentially what would be considered like a like a $50 Spider-Man costume. Like nothing like too garbagey, but nothing really good either. It, Did you sew it yourself like Peter Parker? Uh, no, I'm not Sarah Pezzle or Peter Parker. I don't like make my own costumes. But I am debating on digging out the gloves and bringing the gloves to work and being like oh, having no. just the gloves at work because I don't I don't Why like not the, the mask. Take the like. No, you, no. The kids no. at school can't dress up. I always think it's unfair that we can dress up. True. I don't, I don't like uh, that policy. Uh, how about you, Eddie, at your school? You're, you're like an, you have a younger kid's school, right?
Yeah, yeah, fifth grade. I'm in elementary schools and middle school. I, I spend all my time making my daughter's costumes. I was just sewing before this. A, hopefully a Supreme Cheshire Cat costume for my youngest That's daughter, amazing. So. I love the Cheshire Cat. <laughs> Man, I'm going to try to paint her face too. I don't Aww. know about this. <laughs> Is it like the but Tim we'll Burton version or like the classic? No, the one, classic one is the play that we're going for. So, Dana, do you... Do you still have any reason to dress up for anything? Like, I mean, I have. Yeah, I'm going to a Halloween party on the 28th. I think I'm going as the She-Hulk, which is just green yes. leggings and a purple T-shirt. But yeah, happy Halloween.